0: Ready for takeoff.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, aka De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by, and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I'm here with Corey Haynes. Corey is the founder of Swipe Files, a podcast host, and a marketing consultant to early-stage B two B SaaS companies. He launched his venture by himself after he saw a huge opportunity in the market. Today's Swipe Files is used by thousands of people, and hundreds of startup companies rely on Corey's product to get their marketing in place and to earn trust with their customers at scale. Today, we'll talk about how you can scale an online business, even if you're the only person running the show. So buckle up and let's get started.
0: Hey, Corey, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you. Happy Monday. Happy
1: Monday to you and welcome to the Remote CEO Show. I'm very excited to have you on the show, man. Um, Listen, I always ask my guests to give us a bit of a breakdown of what they were doing before they became entrepreneurs. So what were you doing before that?
0: Yeah, so my start sort of got, uh, I kind of got started in college a bit. I think like most of us we sort of had that time where we figure out when we want to be an entrepreneur, but we don't really know what that looks like or, mm-hmm. or how exactly to make that happen. And so when I was around 19, I was uh, actually on a road trip with a friend out to see some other friends uh, at a college nearby, but it's a few hours away. So it was a little road trip. And uh, we were talking about life and business and sort of what we wanted to do. And I was kind of telling him, well, I want to, I think I want to go down like the finance track and, you know, maybe be an accountant or a CFO somewhere. And then, um, retire you know have kids you know do the whole kind of just like nine to five thing and and just live a good life and he was like really like that's it (laughs) and at first i was really offended and i was like yeah what do you mean that's it that's the american dream and then, uh, you know, it was fine. And I was a little bit offended at the time, but then he was telling me about all of his plans and he was very entrepreneurial. He didn't have plans to go to college. He wanted to kind of strike out on his own. And he started in sales and actually worked for uh, solar city and a whole bunch of other places like that and worked his way up and is doing very well now, but that actually kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, I read books like uh, rich dad, poor dad, and, um, a whole bunch of other books to kind of get you started. A lot of podcasts. I was doing a lot of commuting at the time. So I was listening to uh, Mixergy and um, Entrepreneur on Fire, You know, all those kind of classic OG entrepreneur podcasts. Yeah. And so anyways, by the time I graduated college, um, I'd actually, I landed an internship at a startup here in San Diego where I'm based uh, right in my last semester of college. And, um, and so graduated, went full-time with them, it was essentially their first marketing hire. And uh, okay. we had just raised our series A. And so, like, the task was a little bit daunting. I was like, hey, new kid on the block, like, you're just fresh out of college, like, create our marketing strategy, like, like, you know, do our LinkedIn ads, uh, sponsor conferences, like, do all the things. I call it my crash course marketing. Um, but it was great because I got to cut my teeth. Uh, then the, the, the team slowly grew after that. I started to specialize a little bit after that. I figured out very quickly what I liked, what I didn't like, um, but really got an inside out look into what does it take to grow a B2B SaaS business. Um, and then I moved on to Barometrics and then spent a couple of years there as their head of growth. And that was a much different scenario because we didn't have tons and tons of VC money. Uh, it was a much smaller company, um, mm-hmm. but also I was, I was able to work with uh, SaaS founders and operators. So I got to see the inside look into, you know, MRR, insurance, and lifetime value of a mm-hmm. whole bunch of different, I mean, thousands of different SaaS businesses. And also I got the learnings of how to grow one, you know, from growing Parametrics as well. Yeah. And so, uh, and then in September, 2020, left Parametrics, kind of stroke out on my own. And I guess the rest is history, right? But that's how I got to where I am today.
1: That's awesome. And right now you have a business. It's called Swipe Files. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. So can you tell our listeners in a nutshell, what do you guys do there?
0: So Swipe Files... Uh, it started as my my COVID business baby in March 2020, and it was essentially just a little side project. Uh, at Bearmetrics, there there was very much a culture of side projects and hacking, and you know just shipping kind of fun stuff. And uh, I had created two courses based on everything I learned about marketing that I wish existed when I first got in the game, and those mm-hmm. did fairly well. And then I'd also created a job board around marketing called Hey Marketers, just for marketers. Um, And then I wanted to create something else that I wanted to see in the world, which was essentially a, a swipe file, a curated swipe file. If you're not familiar, a swipe file is kind of this uh, jargony word that marketers made up, and it's essentially like a you know a mood board or like design inspiration, but for marketing. So you take all the landing pages, ads, emails that you love, and then you swipe them, you know, you save them somewhere so you can reference them for inspiration later on whatever you're working on. And it was it was at Barometrics I was launching our affiliate program, and I had to create the landing page to recruit the affiliate partners. And I was like, what the heck goes on a landing page to recruit <laughs> B2B affiliate partners for a SaaS business? It's like, I don't know. I'm not going to try to guess and like reinvent the wheel. Like I just need to go figure out what's already proven to work from other people. Yeah. So I went around and asked a few friends, um, you know, looked at, did my research, like a whole bunch of different landing pages for B2B SaaS affiliate programs. And then finally, after about a, you know, a week or two, figured that I had a, a good handle on what it should be, what it should look like. And I was like, geez, Louise, I wish this existed for all the other things that I don't know. I'm willing to admit whenever I don't know something, I just wish other people would. And they would have the resources for someone like me who says, hey, I need a a helping hand here just to have something to go off of. Right. An example. Uh, One thing I've learned, especially in marketing, and kind of being a a student of psychology a little bit is uh, we as human beings, like the, the main way that we learn is through mimicking we need to see examples we need to watch someone do something before we can then go yeah. do it ourselves or at least it helps right it's kind of like a shortcut and yeah. so essentially swipe files is supposed to be kind of like this curated library of marketing examples with detailed teardowns and analysis of what made those examples great so i did that for about six months and then once i left metrics i wanted to add on a cup co- another component to it which was an online community another thing that i felt was missing in the market just because a lot of the other uh, communities, groups, forums out there were uh, were free, which is great, but that also attracted a lot of kind of spammy characters and just really noisy. And also, I just felt like it wasn't a safe place to share stuff. I wanted kind of a private place to share wins, struggles, get advice, be able to curate the experience and the people in it as well. And so that's mm-hmm. when I added on the community. Uh, and then it's kind of evolved from there. So then I also bundled the courses up into swipe files as well. And now it's kind of this uh, this membership site, right? Which is a very kind of vague, ambiguous thing. But um, it, that's the thing about membership sites. They're all different. They're all unique. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. That's super cool. I actually wanted to know more about the community. And I mean, can you share with us the growth um, since March, 2020 to, to right now? Uh, first, so if you can share the growth, if you don't mind. And then second of all, how did the growth uh, evolve uh, when you created the community around the product that you were selling?
0: Yeah, I'm happy to share numbers. I actually have a page called swipefiles.com open and it shares just like a couple of open metrics. So I would have more in there, but it takes time for me to kind of like hook things up and configure things from the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I first started, obviously I started with zero members. So yeah. I started from the bottom and uh, March, 2020, actually when I launched, it was about uh, the end of April of 2020. And then today, I think I have a little over 300 members, um, and so I've seen great growth since then. Uh, in, in September, I think I had around 60 to 80. In January, I believe I had about 120, and then you know about six months after that. Now we're in June of 2021, recording this, uh, a little over 300, and um, so yeah, I've seen great growth since then. My my sort of goal, like. And the reason why I have this whole open page is because I have a sort of public experiment for uh, Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans Theory, where if, mm-hmm. you, know, if you get a thousand true fans online, you can support yourself uh, make a full time living as a creator. So my goal is by the end of the year to get to that thousand number, and uh, I'm tracking my metrics along the way.
1: Awesome, awesome. And then for the swipe file. So like right now, how are you monetizing this business? Is it mainly like people buy a one off package or or service and then they get it? Uh, Or are you like you said, a membership website? So on a on a monthly uh, recurring uh, revenue model?
0: So I initially tested a few different pricing models. I knew again that I wanted to make it paid because that was actually one of the big differentiators when I, when I started the community, especially, and I asked uh, my newsletter and asked people on Twitter and everyone that I followed, um, Hey, you know, why aren't you engaging with these communities that you're already a part of or that you kind of left and one of the big things just wasn't like themes kind of tldr is that um that free kind of model doesn't really incentivize people to stick around to engage and also doesn't create the kind of experience that people need for a valuable community so i knew i wanted to make a page just wasn't sure what that model looked like at first so i did test uh, a lifetime kind of membership model i also tested monthly Um, I haven't tested quarterly, although I'm not sure there's going to be a big difference between monthly and quarterly. And so right now uh, I've stripped away all the other options and now it's just an annual membership. Um, So people pay 99 bucks a year for the pro membership, is what I call it. And then there's also another tier, which I'm still experimenting with to a certain degree called the all access membership, which, which also gets you, uh, the two courses I've created and um, and any future courses, ebooks, other programs that I put on that are outside of the pro membership. Um, but those are the two ways, just the annual membership and the all access membership, which is basically just the, the pro membership plus a one time fee for the courses and anything in the future
1: makes sense makes sense love it and for what concerns your team right now is wondering if you're doing this all on your own or if you have a team or even two or three freelancers working side uh, beside you how's the business structured
0: yeah, so it's myself living that creator life. <laughs> I Have to make the most nice. of myself. But as of a month ago, I also have a very part-time VA as well, who does uh, you know some tedious tasks and automations and helps me with my workflow and you know doing doing basic stuff for me just to kind of help me as a as an extension of myself. But uh, it's mainly me, um, and I think I probably want to keep it that way for as long as I can. To be honest, I don't know if I've ever I'll ever bring on another full time employee for sure maybe some contract or freelance help here and there. Um, but uh, the, the main show is definitely me, you know, creating all the content community, uh, the membership, even the, the site itself. I'm not really a designer, but I make it work with uh, no, a lot of no code tools like Webflow and member stack and, uh, and uh, some, some basic design tools or wiref- wireframe things and whimsical. Um, but uh, I'm it. Awesome. Awesome. It is actually very good news for
1: people that are afraid of starting a business because they feel like, Oh, I'm not a good leader or, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to, to, you know, be consistent. And then my team is not going to be consistent as well. I mean, like you're the living proof of, uh, someone that can really scale a business, uh, and make an awesome community by themselves, uh, in a remote setting as well. Right. Because I'm assuming that you don't have an office that you go to every single day.
0: Yeah. Working from home. I mean, it's a great, it's, it's great news. Uh, and when I try to explain to my mom what I do and family members and even a lot of friends, they're like, wait, what? you like you just work from your laptop and like, you don't have to be anywhere. And like, uh, you don't have an office also like all like people just like pay you online to do stuff. And I'm like, well, like sort of, it doesn't really work like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, even today, I think um, whether you're sort of like a technical founder or a non-technical founder, if you're a technical founder, like the, uh, the amount of frameworks and starter kits and just like the technology out there today is amazing. Like you can create a, a one man sort of million dollar business with, with just yourself and creating a software product as well.
1: For sure. For sure. Technology is there to help us as long as we know, you know, our limits, uh, I always tell my clients, you know, social media, I got, we, we build with, with my coaching clients, we build personal brands online you know, that's, that's very dangerous. Let's maybe spend like five or six hours on Instagram without knowing what you're doing. But if you have a plan and you using technology to your own advantage, you can definitely do uh, exactly what you said. Listen, I wanted to ask you, can you give our listeners uh, the top two to three things that you think they need to focus on if they want to launch a product or a service to market as soon as possible. Uh, just like you said earlier, with not a lot, with not a big team, not a big budget. What should they focus on?
0: Yeah, I think the the, the two big things are customer research and building an audience. Um, I'll kind of get into both of those and I you know, try not to be like super binary. So obviously these aren't the, the two things, right? But from my experience, these have been the two best things for me. And it's been some of the keys for, for my uh, success so far. Um, so the first one with customer research, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes you can make, whether you're building a software business or a membership site, or you're writing a newsletter, like it doesn't matter, or even freelancing, offering services, building an agency, you have to know your customer. Um, And we think about it, it's a little bit crazy that this isn't where a lot of people start. A lot of people start with the solution. They start with the product. They have an idea, right? It's a light bulb moment of, oh, I want to create this thing. And I have to admit, this is also how I've started a lot of my things. But the problem is that if you just have an idea and you go out and build a product and then you go figure out who this thing is for, then you're likely not going to market it in a way that's going to be appealing to them. You might not even build it in a way that's appealing to them. You might build it completely for yourself or you might just make a bunch of guesses and guesses mm-hmm. is a really, um, it's a risky strategy in business. Like You want to remove as many assumptions as possible because those things can come back to to haunt you or to bite you. And listen, in today's world with Uh, everyone in their and their mom has a podcast, a Twitter account, um, a newsletter, a blog, like there's a lot, a lot of noise on the internet. So if you launch something or, you know, quote unquote launch, I don't know what that means for you, but it could just mean, you know, posting on product it could just be tweeting out that there's something new, could be sending an email. Um, you're competing with a lot of other people's uh, attention, right? You're competing with every other thing coming through the inbox, every other tweet in the stream, and every other podcast is, you know, wherever you launch, right? Every other thing being posted on Product Hunt that day. And you only have that one shot to really validate that it's going to work. Um, you can do it over and over again, right? But you want to see those positive metrics. And the hard thing about the internet today is that you don't get a lot of concrete feedback. Um, you're going to see numbers on a screen of how many people opened or clicked. You might get a couple of responses. You may see that some people maybe bought, for example, but that's really it. You're not going to know what people like about it, what they don't like about it, what they think, what their fears, hesitations, objections are. You're not going to know what they really are buying it for, what the reasons and value props are that they're, uh, you know, that, that they're using to make their decision. And so you could be you know, completely underselling yourself and you could just be, uh, without customer research, you could be positioning it in a way that isn't as appealing as it could be, or you could be targeting the completely wrong person, where for example, you're going, uh, I don't know if you follow Heaton Shaw on Twitter, but he's the CEO of a product now called Nero, mm-hmm. but he, he's been working on this product called FYI for a long time, where it was like a, a document search product, right? They were working mm-hmm. on it for a long, long time, and they had the same problem where people would come in, they would connect, they would onboard their whole team, And then no one will really use the product. Well, -hmm. if you just looked at that standpoint, you'd say, okay, well, this thing's a failure or it's maybe moderately successful based on the amount of customers that they had. But then because of customer research, because they kept pushing, they kept trying to figure out why are people using this? What is the value proposition of our product? They actually found that one of the main value propositions after a call sitting down with the founder who they onboarded personally, in person, in an office, which like, how often does that happen? They Mm -hmm. found that, Um, one of the main value propositions was actually around security because they could figure out who has access to all these documents. Right. And now in hindsight with that information, like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like that, that would be a really good, uh, you know, value proposition for that kind of um, that kind of product. So they pivoted now that's their whole thing is basically it security, know who has access to your documents, control that, monitor it and be able to, to take action quickly without customer research, they likely, or they, they might've even shut down the product, right? And mm-hmm. it's the same thing for all of us. You have to use customer research, one, to, to not fail, right? to just like, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, be, to be moderately successful, but also really, if you wanna be successful, you wanna take it to the next level, you wanna scale, you have to know your customers intimately well. You have to be able to talk to them, speak their language, know their hopes, fears, dreams, objections, right, all those things. And that's really gonna be the differentiator. Now, number two, is building an audience. And I say this in this is kind of like an ambiguous uh, kind of term on purpose. because I think it's gonna look different for everyone, right? Building an audience could be starting a podcast, like the one that we're talking on right now. Building an audience could be on Twitter, could be your blog, could be a newsletter. It doesn't really matter. The, the thing that matters is, do you have a relationship with people that you care about, that you wanna serve, that you wanna build things for? Um, If you don't, then even if you know your customer really, really well, even if you have the most genius product idea, if you don't have a distribution channel, then it's sort of all for naught or it's going to be like rolling a boulder uphill, right? It's going to be really, really hard. You're making it harder on yourself than it really needs to be. Or you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. Right? You're going to have to fork up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from the get-go to Facebook ads or to LinkedIn ads, to Google ads, to some sort of PR agency, Right, you name it. There's lots of different ways to, to blow a lot of money. Um, and so if you build an audience and you have a built-in distribution channel at, from the start, essentially, for whatever product, whatever idea, whatever service you want to offer... That gives you a massive advantage to be able to prove out what works. And it's also one of those channels where you can go and and then source people for customer research, right? Because again, it's always kind of a chicken and egg problem of, um, well, to build a product you need to... Uh, to have people that I want to build a product for, who are those people, how do I reach those people, right? So um, Mm -hmm. you can either go like product first, you can go market first. I'm usually like a market first guy, I want to have an audience want to have a distribution channel. And I also want to know those people really intimately well. And um, so I just think that those two things are huge advantages you can give yourself and are two of the keys to my success so far. Mm
1: Awesome, man. These, uh, these were very good points. And uh, I'm sure that the audience at home is taking notes. Very, very happy that you were able to come to the show. And I do want you to be back in the future. And we're going to talk about how your business is actually going to 10x uh, in the next uh, couple of years, man. Thanks again for being here on the show. Where can people find you online?
0: Yeah, the best place is probably Twitter at Corey Haines Co. My personal site is CoreyHaines.co, where I have a list of all my projects, things I'm working on. Um, but if you want to interact with me, you want a part of me, you want some marketing knowledge, you want help with marketing, swipefiles.com. And you can even go to swipefiles.com slash membership and uh, use the code, the remote CEO, half offer any membership there. We'd love to have you in the community if you want some, uh, some help and a group of people who are like-minded uh, to interact with and, and talk marketing.
1: Awesome. Corey, again, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk soon.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
1: And this is it for today. CEOs, thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at NeroB d-e-n-i-e-r-o-b and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation so thank you again and I will talk to you again soon